Again, my name is Dave Dorr. I, uh, my family and I have been attending here at 4C for a little over a year now. Uh, I've been married to my wife for 14 and a half years. We have three kids here, so uh, that's a little bit about me. So let's actually just dive right in real quickly to uh, what we're doing here. So we're taking a, a, a summer movie, and we're taking its premise or one of its themes and connecting it to, uh, to a way to illustrate something really, really important from the Bible. And for this week, uh, this actually is uh, <clears throat> teed me up so well, because this is actually one of the major themes of the Scriptures. Uh, and, and in fact, probably next to Jesus being the main point of the Bible, uh, this is probably next. All right? And, and really, here, here's the premise of, of, of Pixels, right? It's that there is a message of good that is misunderstood. And because that message of good is misunderstood, it creates all kinds of pain and destruction. So this is, again, one of the main, main themes of your Bible. You cannot really read a page of your Bible without finding uh, this in it. Now, uh, if you're not a, a follower of Jesus here, uh, when, when I talk to uh, folks who, who don't follow Jesus, and when I didn't follow Jesus, I, I became a Christian a little bit later. Uh, when I didn't follow Jesus, this was really the main reason why uh, I hear most people don't want to follow Jesus, or the reason why they really don't have a ton of interest in following Jesus. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, uh, if you misunderstand this message of good— then your walk with Jesus is really going to be pretty joyless. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know, I hear about uh, the life that Jesus would offer and uh, the power that uh, for those who, who believe. I read about that in, in the scripture, but that, that's just not, that's not a part of my life. That, that, that's not happening. Maybe you feel like God's uh, not like a father. He's more like a boss who, you know, has things for you to do, and you're just not really doing them that well, and you just, uh, you, you, you can't really relate to him as a father, because he just feels more like a boss to you. Um, you know, <clears throat> you, maybe you're feeling guilty right now because your faith is just kind of disappointing. And <clears throat> it all actually comes, I'm, I'm very willing to bet that it comes back to this reason. And, and maybe some of you right now are even thinking about just punting, just quitting the faith. Or maybe not even just quitting the faith, but, you know, just becoming kind of mediocre. You know, not, not getting in the Bible, not praying, not hanging out with other Christians, not serving, uh, not trying to, to make a, bring the kingdom to come in this world. You're just thinking, I'll just kind of settle in and do what I do. And it probably is because of this message of good that gets misunderstood. And because it gets misunderstood, it creates all kinds of pain and it creates all kinds of destruction in your life and in your relationships. So what is this message of good? It's God's law. The message of good is God's law. Now, what is God's law? God's law is basically just God's commands. It's just God's commands, okay? And God's commands are, you know, the, the most famous of all God's commands are the top ten, right? The ten commandments that Moses gave to the Israelites, uh, or God gave to the Israelites through Moses, 
right? And so God's law is just God's commands. It's, it's basically, they, they give a window into how God has designed life to be, and if we do those things that God commands, then we will uh, be doing how life was designed, and we will be experiencing the blessing that comes from how God designed it. Um, it, it, God's law is altogether good. It is altogether right. It is absolutely how you should live. It is absolutely how communities should structure themselves. It is absolutely how countries should structure themselves. It is wonderful. It is good. Um, the, the law, if you, all the laws that are in uh, the Bible, you, you can just kind of smash them all together into two laws. And the first one is, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other one is, love your neighbor as yourself. So you could take all, the, all of God's law, all of God's commands, and they would be encapsulated in two lo- those two laws. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, how many of you maybe said to yourself or said to others, or maybe you've heard somebody else say, you know what, you know, if, if Christians would just get back to loving God and loving their neighbor, uh, uh, the world would be a whole lot better place. Yeah, if, if churches, you know, if they just kind of got rid of all their, you know, all the complication, if they just got back to loving God and loving their neighbor, then, man, things would be so much better. Now, that is what you just said, what you said there, what you heard said there, is the absolute uh, right definition of the law. That is absolutely true. That uh, if we just love God and love others, the world would be a better place, our relationships would be a better place, our family would be better, our churches, all of that. That is the very definition of God's law. Now, it's also another thing, and uh, God's law is a contract. Now, you didn't sign anything (laughs) when uh, you heard of God's law. But it is. It's a contract. And, and a contract, you guys know, is it has, each party has a part to do. In my mortgage, if I pay my mortgage every month, for, and then in 30 years, the bank will uh, <clears throat> give me the deed to my house. That's our contract, okay? We have a contract. Now, God's law is a contract. And, so, and it's really governed by the word if. If you do God's law, you will be blessed. Deuteronomy 28, this is Moses' last sermon before he dies, and he's, uh, he's giving the law, and he's kind of summing up here he's to the Israelites. If you look at the end of that, he says, so you see the word if? If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, he will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice the Lord. That's a contract, right? If you obey, then God will bless. But every contract has a if you don't, and so does God's law. Deuteronomy 28, 15 says, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you this day, then all these curses shall overtake you, or shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, in Moses' day, the blessing was meant that your, your crops were going to go, that you were going to be safe in the land, that your wives were going to have babies, that you are going to have big families. It was going to be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay? And if you didn't obey God, 
uh, it means that uh, you wouldn't be safe in the land, that you'd be constantly in conflict, your wives wouldn't have babies, you wouldn't have big families, your crops wouldn't grow, all, uh, all of that stuff. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting uh, about all this is, is um, you might sit here and, and say, well, I, you know, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, you know, I believe in God, but I certainly didn't get myself in a contract here. Uh, and I certainly, God's law isn't something I'm really even paying attention to. I'm not even sure God's law is, is really right or good or, or the best way to live. Well, you are also actually under a contract, too, the Bible says. It's just you're not, God's law is not your focus. You're still, uh, you're still living in a way that says, if I do this, then things will go well. If I don't do this, then things will not go well. It doesn't have to be, God's law doesn't have to be the focus of it, but that, that's, uh, you're still living according to that. The Bible calls that the elementary principles of this world. That's how the world works, right? When you go to work or w- when you raise your kids uh, or whatever it is, <laughs> there's that idea of if you do this right, then good things will happen. If you don't do these things, then bad things happen will happen. Uh, when I play baseball with my eight-year-old son, every father is under the elementary principles of this world because he wants their kid to swing right, throw right, do it, do it, field right. You guys get it, right? That's how the world works. Galatians 4.8 says, he says, when you did not know God, he says, you were enslaved to by nature who are not gods. This is Galatians 4.8 and 9. He says, how can you turn back again, to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world, whose slaves you want to be once more. It's a contract. We understand that, that when we enter into a contract, that we are slaves to that contract. And that's not a bad thing. I'm a slave to the bank, I guess, but they gave me a house, so I'm okay with it, right? Um, Okay, so we're under that contract. So If you're a follower of Jesus today, you certainly know God's law. That's a contract. If you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, God's law doesn't have to be the thing. You're you're under some sort of, if I do this, then things will go well. If I don't, then things won't. Okay? You guys tracking with me? You guys tracking? Now, what's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is, you can't perfectly do the law. You are not law keepers. I am not a law keeper. You can't do the formula perfectly. You can't do your family perfectly. You can't be a husband perfectly. You can't be a wife perfectly. You can't be a perfect coworker. You can't be a perfect employee. You can't be a perfect American. You can't do it. You, are, you fail in some ways. And when it comes to God's law... You are not a law keeper. You are not, in the eyes of God, a law keeper, which means you are not a good person. And so, remember, you're in, part of the contract is, if you're not a law keeper, what, what happens? The curse. The curse comes upon you. The curse comes upon you. And now, you maybe never thought about it in these terms, but um, the fear you experience because you might not get something right, the anxiety that grips you 
because things might not go well. Things might not go perfectly. The anger that kind of seizes you when other people might not do right or they haven't done right. You were not meant to live that way. You were not created by God to live that way. And when you experience those things, that is part of the curse. Um, James 2.10 says here, it says, Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Has become accountable for all of it. We are not law keepers. And here's the interesting thing about it. The Bible... The Bible never presents the law and says that uh, you're going to keep it, that you're going to experience its blessings. Moses, right after he said this to the Israelites, says, here is the law. If you do it, you'll be blessed. If you don't do it, you'll be cursed. And you're going to be cursed. You're not going to do the law. You're not going to do it. And the Israelites say, we'll do it. And Moses is like, you're not going to do it. And, and then Joshua, right at the end of his life, Joshua uh, came after Moses, after Moses died, and they went in the land. Joshua has a, a, a covenant recommitment, a contract re, uh, uh, um, agreement with the Israelites at the end of his life, and he says to, uh, to the Israelites, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He, and listen, the options that Joshua gives the Israelites is not to worship the Lord. He said, you're either going to worship the gods of the, of the people you just supplanted here uh, in the land or the gods of Egypt. He said, you're not going to choose the Lord. He says, as for me and my house, we'll choose the Lord. Now Israel says, I will choose the Lord. They said, no, 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 we will choose the Lord. And the, re- and the rest of the Old Testament is how they didn't choose the Lord. They didn't choose God's law. And they were under the curse. Basically, the, 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 old, the chronologic of the Old Testament ends with the people out of the land in exile, and then a few return. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. So the problem with that is we're under the curse. We're under the curse. It means that we live under condemnation, and we live in frustration. Now, there's another big problem, too, with the law, <laughs> if you live according to the law. And that is, it empowers sin. Listen to Paul here. Paul is one of the uh, earlier followers of Jesus. He, wrote, he writes half of our New Testament, and he writes this. He used to be a, uh, a Jewish leader, a teacher of the law. He, he knew the law, and he obeyed the law. This is what he says about the law. 2 Corinthians 15.56, he says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Oh, let's get this straight. (laughs) You're saying to me, the commands that God gives that are altogether good, that are altogether true, that are altogether right, that if we do these things, that uh, things would be so much better, there would be so much blessing, our families would be blessed, our churches would be blessed, our country would be blessed. you know, if the church has just got back to loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself, you're telling me that those commands actually empower sin? Yeah. Here's a guy who, whose whole life was dedicated to the law, and he says, now that he met Jesus, he, he says this, he says, the law gives power to sin. Why do we sin. One of the big reasons why we sin 
is because we are, our sin nature, who we are, connects with the law, and it empowers it. It empowers it in two ways. Empowers it in two ways. First is that when you hear the command, you do not want to do it. Anybody have kids? Anybody have kids? You ever give commands to your kids? Go, can you go empty the dishwasher? And you can just tell in their body language, right? Everything in them wants to not obey the command. I mean, how many of your kids, you say, hey, could you empty the dishwasher? And they say, yes, mother, I understand the need for, you know, emptying the dishwasher. We don't want dishes piling up. That'd be filthy and gross. I would be happy. To, no, does that ever happen? No way. It doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen when God commands it either. In fact, when God commands it, it makes us not want to do it. Paul says, earlier, and it's not going to come up here, but he says, when the number 10 of the Ten Commandments, he said, "When when I heard, do not covet, which means to be jealous. When I said, do not covet, it created in me all kinds of covetousness. Uh, Romans 7, 5, which is going to come up here, he says this. He says, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions were aroused by the law. Guys, you might find yourself in here today, and you you, you might even say, there is this mysterious power over me where I I just, I I want to do wrong. You know, I, I hear about God's view of sexuality, and I just... I, I, I want to be promiscuous. I hear God say that I should stay married, and I want to get the, I mean, I want to get a divorce. You know, I, I, you know, I hear that I should be generous, God want, commands me to be generous with my income, and I just want to keep it for myself. <clears throat> you might find yourself gripped um, in this power to do wrong, in order to get something for yourself. Because what's often in your mind and what you're rejecting is the commands of God. Now, what's interesting about all this is Paul would say that it's good that you're rejecting that. It's just wrong what you're embracing. You're just embracing the wrong thing. The law, the commands, what you think is Christianity is actually giving power for you to do wrong. But it also works in a in a in another way. Also works in another way. The sinful passions that are aroused by the law, um, it also can inflame your greed. Here's what I mean by that. So just in, in you you are willing, you'll hear the law, and you're willing to do bad. You're willing to do wrong to get something for yourself. The law will also um, get you to want to do right to get something for yourself. You hear the formula. If I just do this well, if I am just a loving father, if I, if I provide for my family, then my family will, will stay together and our kids will want to come home and, and, you know, it, you, you know, and we can have a happy life together. Whatever the formula is, whatever the command is, you, you hear it and you say, yes, that is how life should be lived and then I am going to do my best to do it and if I do it, then things will go well with me. I, 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 I'm not wanting to do something really, really bad to get something for myself. I'm actually willing now to do something very, very good to get something for myself. 
If you want to do this, you want to have more money. If you want to have a great family, if you want to get promoted, if you want to have a great, you want to get a, a good relationship, if you even want to be a good Christian, and you want God to do something big through you, then you say, then I, I will be obedient, and I will try my best, and then um, God, please come through for me. Now, <clears throat> here's what begins to happen. How, how do you know you've made this you never said this out loud, but how do you know you've made this contract in your heart? How do you know that you're trying to do something good to get something from God or to get something from others? Well, if you get it, you become very, very smug and judgmental. You become con- very condescending the people who have failed where you have not failed. You know it might be smug or condescending to liberals. It might be smug and condescending to conservatives. It might be smug and condescending um, to people who are not as moral as you, who are maybe who are in financial debt, not like, not like you, or people who don't take risks like you, and, or whatever it might be. You begin to look down on other people. <clears throat> Another way that you see this happening in your life, that this is how you're living, is you become very, very angry. Now, angry can, can have two forms. You guys know that. Anger can have two forms. One, it can have a temper, an explosion. But also, anger can have its uh, implosion, which usually re- results in depression. And what begins to happen is you say, you know what, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good person. I am trying hard here. In fact, I am doing better in this area than other people are, and God is not coming through for me. What you're saying is, God is not coming through with his side of the contract. If I do right, I heard I would be right. Right? And and so, you begin to, and, and God's not coming through for you, so be, you, you, be, you wouldn't maybe say this out loud, but you become very, very angry with God. In fact, some of you are here, maybe back to church for the first time, because you've stayed away, because God, some, God, something happened in your life, and you just could not imagine that God would let that happen to you. To you! And it's, it, it's a terrible place to be. Because that anger can burn your relationships, can it? Or that anger can burn yourself in self-hatred. And you can just wallow there more and more and more. Well, <clears throat> see, the law makes you either want to do something wrong to get something for yourself, or it makes you want to do something right to get something for yourself. And it creates anger, and it creates uh, <clears throat> devastation, it creates uh, smugness, judgmentalness, and it all has to do with God's commands and how you relate to them and how you relate to them. Well, what does God do? What does God do about this? Because this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem. 
you know, you don't want to live in the fear you're living, the fear of not doing right, things not going right. You don't want to be continue gripped by the anxiety. You don't want to have to continue to, <clears throat> you know, live in a, in a place where you are constantly in, in, fractured with your kids because you're always telling them what to do and they're always, uh, they're always not doing what they're tell- you're telling them what to do and you just can't imagine why they won't listen to what you're telling them to do and, and it just, all that, Right? What does God do? What does God do about this major problem, about this message of good, God's law, that gets misunderstood, that we think we should live according to it, and if we do live according to it, we uh, die. It says there in in 7.5 that it creates all kinds of death. The good law, we live according to it, creates all kinds of death. That that includes love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. (laughs) Crazy, I know. What does God do? What does God do? Well, <clears throat> you are under the curse. You guys remember that? You're not a law keeper. You're a law breaker. And so you are under the curse. Paul says this in Galatians 3.10. He says, all who rely on the works of the law, that means you're saying if I do well, it'll go well. If I, you know, that's, what, that's relying on the, the, the works of the law. <clears throat> are under a curse, for it is written, curses everyone who does, does not... Abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, what does God do? Galatians 3.13. Oh, this is so good. Guys, if you're living according to that formula, if you're enslaved by trying to get something for yourself by either being very, very good or by being very, very bad, look at Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Paul saw that the only human being to be a law keeper hung on a tree, hung on a wooden cross. If you're a law keeper, you should get blessing. And there's only one man who deserves all the blessings of the law. And there he is getting a curse because he's hanging on a tree. Anybody who hangs on a tree is cursed. What's going on there? Jesus Christ, who is a law keeper, substituted himself for lawbreakers. So lawbreakers who deserve the curse might get the blessing. And he who, gets the, he who deserved the blessing gets the curse. Guys, hear that. That's what Jesus Christ did for you when he died on the cross. As he took the curse of all of your law breaking. He substituted himself for you. Secondly, this is, and it gets even better. I mean, that's, that's great. We could just stop there. I could pray. We could have some baptisms, right? Because that's amazing stuff. That's amazing stuff. But his death, secondly, also ends the contract. His, his death ends the contract. So you guys know this. For, for contracts, right, they have to be satisfied you know, but, you know, in my mortgage, I have to pay it off for 30 years um, in order for it to be satisfied, in order for that contract to be finished. Now, there's other contracts that I'm in that are for life. One of the contracts I am in that is for life is my marriage to Jenny. 
And if Jenny, uh, (laughs) if we ever wanted to get out of that contract, really what we would have, one of us has to die, right? Now, I know, I know you can get out of the marriage contract, but, but really, 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 when it kind of comes down to it, if we're, it uh, you know, we said this contract's going to be for life, so really, if we're going to get out of this contract, we're, one of us is going to have to die. So if I die, Jenny is free to marry another man. Now, he's going to be a lesser man, right? But he, she is free to do that. None of you guys would say, oh, that's, that, that's a, you know, she can't get married again. No, no, you say, nope, Dave's dead. She can marry. Now, if she gets married in like three weeks, like you, you can wonder, right? You can, you can say, this, there's something going on here that wasn't quite right. But, right? Unless he's really wealthy. Okay. No, but, but you guys would think, no, she's free. A death ends the contract. Romans 7.4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. You can go to the next slide, and then the one um, after that, Romans 7, 6, says, listen, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. What's that mean? Jesus Christ dies on the cross, When you believe that Jesus Christ, God raised him from the dead and that he is Lord, meaning that you have have given your allegiance, full allegiance to him. When you believe that, then God counts you just as if you died with Christ on the cross. And the contract, if you do this, things will go well. If you don't do this, you'll be cursed. He counts it over. Contract over. You are released. What's that mean? What's that mean? You don't live that way anymore. If I do well with God, things will go well. If I do well, God will bless me. If I'm obedient, then I won't have to worry about curses coming upon me. Because, guys, listen, this is amazing. Because you're free from the contract through the body of Christ, because there's been a death... God's blessing on you is no longer contingent on your uh, performance. Meaning there's nothing good that you can do to get God to give you more. And, and, And this is glorious. There's nothing you have done or can do to keep God from blessing you, loving you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And we don't have to live that way anymore. Why are things going wrong? well, I must have done something wrong here, or they must have done something wrong here. No, 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 it's gone. It's over. You're released from the law. It's over. Contract done. It says here, uh, it it says in 7.6 that you're released from the law, and you serve now in the new way of the Spirit. So guys, listen, it it means the law doesn't govern your life anymore. The law doesn't govern your life anymore. Listen, it doesn't govern other Christians' lives either. So Listen, this is, you can just, when you're around me, just don't do this. I'm sure you might still do this because it's hard to get out of this paradigm and this category. But just, you know, you don't have to say, hey, you know, if our pastor would just do, do better at loving God and, and loving others, then things would be a lot better. Because <laughs> he's not under the law either. He's not under the law either. 
And so you don't hold other Christians to that standard either. And you certainly don't try to hurt other Christians when they fail the standard. Because God has given mercy to you when you failed the standard. You certainly do not want to not be merciful when someone you know didn't keep the standard. So this means this. You can't look to the God's law anymore to condemn yourself. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't look to God's law to condemn yourself. And you can't look to God's law to commend yourself. You can't say, oh, I'm doing well because I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. And, you know, you, you ever hear that? When I, after I became a Christian, when I was in youth group, you know, the, one of the questions we would have in our little huddles was, how are you doing with God? And, we, and, you know, we would all say, oh, man, I haven't read the Bible. I didn't read the Bible at all this week. You know, I messed up here and here, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not doing really good with God. What does that mean? It's we broke some commands and I'm not doing really well with God. No, you're not. You're not. You broke some commands and you're doing just as good with God as you ever have been. You cannot use the law to condemn yourself and you cannot use the law to commend yourself. Listen, this is just a sidebar real quick, but listen, the the devil is called the accuser. What does the accuser do? He says, man, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah, you're never, you're never going uh, to be able to bless others. You're never going to bear fruit. Why? Because you did this and you did that. Isn't that amazing what God has done? The accusation, it's over. It's over. You can't be accused and you can just say, hey, listen, this contract's over. This contract's over. See, the, the, the New Testament, especially, guys, is, 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 is trying to say to you over and over and over that righteousness does not come from your behavior. It does not come from your performance. Being right with God or being, it, 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 it just, it's not a category that God thinks in anymore. It's not a category that God even judges you according. It's over, contract over. But there is a righteousness that from God that comes by faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Meaning that you are completely righteous before God. Not because you did anything right. Not because you did the things wrong, but because you believed Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1. This, Galatians, this is a letter that's all about the law. People are trying to, there's, there's Christians in the church that are trying to get the other Christians in the church to try to obey the law, go back to the law. And Paul's, Paul has never been, he's not angry, any, as angry anywhere else in the New Testament, as he is with Galatians, these people who are teaching him to go back to the law. Guys, can you imagine that? Guys, listen, he's actually, these guys are probably, they're saying, you should go back to um, all the good God has commanded. And, 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 and Paul is actually basically saying, these guys who are teaching that are cut off from Christ. But he says this, I lo- this is awesome. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And isn't that what the law is? 
You are a slave to your behavior. You are a slave to your performance. If you put the law on other people, then, you, then you're all constantly frustrated with them and angry with them and condescending toward them. Right? Because that they are, you're keeping them and holding them according to the law. But we are, what does this mean? Freedom, for freedom, Christ has set us free. It means you're free from the law. You're free from the formula. Don't go back to it. Well, how do you live then? I've got four minutes to tell you how to live. How do you live then if you don't live according to the formula? If the contract's over, if the curse is done away with, how do you live? Well, Paul says there in in, uh, Romans 7, 6, it says that you live in the new way of the Spirit. Well, what, what, is that, what does that mean? It means that you learning to walk with God in a personal relationship is of utmost importance. That, that is the most important thing that you can do is to learn how to listen to God through his Holy Spirit, through his scriptures, so that you will know what to do and how to live. Not according to the written code. Not according to the written code. Because it's not like you didn't have a business relationship with God before, or a, a relationship with God. You just had a business relationship with God, right? If I do this, you'll do this. If I'm a good person, you'll take me to heaven. Uh, if, if, I, if I serve the church, if I blah, 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 whatever, then you'll give me this. That's a business relationship with God. That's over. But now it's moving into a personal relationship with God where you interact with him through his Holy Spirit. And really, what that means is, is you begin to live by words. You begin to live by words which means you begin to, you, you live by faith. Paul says in Galatians, a little bit after there in, in Galatians 5, um, it says in Galatians 5, 6, he says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. That's what he's talking about in the rest of Galatians. Sorry that I, I put that in there. It's kind of confusing that we're now talking about circumcision. But, um, but he says, really, the only thing that counts now is faith working itself through love. And, and to live by faith means you live by words. When uh, about 10 years ago, a little, actually a lot longer than that now, about 15 years ago, um, my appendix almost burst. And <clears throat> doctor came in and said, this is a really, you're going to hurt really bad and, you know, wh- whatever. He came in and said, this is a really routine surgery. We do it all the time. It's going to be this little incision. We're going to put you under um, you know, it's not going to take very long, and you'll wake up, it'll be two days in the hospital, and, it, you know, it'll be fine. I'm like, okay, doc, okay, okay, okay. But then, they wheel me into the operating room, and there are nurses and doctors and masks, and there are sharp knives and scalpels and those paddles that, you know, if you, you know, and you look all around, and I start to get nervous, right? I start to get nervous, I mean, this is, I mean, I know this is not that big of a deal, but, but listen, everything is in here to try to keep me from dying. I mean, what happens if, you know, and you ever get scared like that, right? 
And, and what do you do? I'm completely powerless. It's not like, no, Doc, I got this. Right? You know, it's not like, you know, you know I, I'm completely powerless to fix my appendix, to take it out. So what do I do? I live by words. The doctor says, this is a routine surgery. We do this all the time. It's going to be just a little cut. It's not going to take that long. So what do I do? I start rehearsing the words in my mind to calm myself down. That's what it means in part that you begin to live by faith, is begin to, how is this going to work out in my life? How is my family going to be what it needs to be amongst all the complications? When in my career, what in the world am I supposed to do amidst all the complications and all the bad things that other people can do? How do I live? And you begin to live by words. Lastly, it says, the only thing that counts is faith working itself in love. So what about all those commands now? What about all those commands? I mean, God still commands us to do stuff, and that's still right and good. What, what's the role of those commands now? Well, the commands are now information for you to know how to love. It's information for you to know how to love. It's not information about how you can get something for yourself has nothing to do with you anymore. Those commands don't have anything to do with how good you are, how bad you are, um, what good Christian you are, what kind of bad Christian you are. The commands have nothing to do with who you are anymore. They're just information about how you love. How do I know how to love my wife, or how to uh, live with my wife? I look to the command that says, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. You should love uh, who gives himself up for her, who lays his life down for her, and loves her as her, uh, and love her as you love her own body. So I take that command and I don't say, how am I doing at doing this? And I certainly don't ask her. (laughs) Right? I thought thought you guys would laugh more than that. But anyway, so, uh, (laughs) right? No, no, no. But I say, oh, that's how I love my wife. I taught the middle school kids last week on honor your parents, which is way harder to do than this. I'll be honest with you, okay? Right? And I just taught them. It's not how am I doing as a kid, although they wouldn't care. It's this is how you love your parents. How do you love your church? How do you love people who fail you? How do you love people who don't do things right? You've got commands. And they're not there to either condemn you or commend you. They're there to give you information on how to love. Let's take out your Connect card here. And we're going to take some bold steps uh, to respond to this, uh, to this message. Again, <clears throat> the message of good that came that gets misunderstood. God's law comes. We misunderstand it, and it creates death. God does, does away with the curse through the body of Christ and he cancels the contract that we can now live by grace through faith. If you're here today and you would say, I am not a follower of Jesus, and I have never heard that before, and in fact, I am living according to uh, the law, or the formula. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's not God's law, maybe it's just elementary principles, but you're basically saying, I feel like I'm in a business relationship with God. I feel like I've been good, and so God should um, take me to heaven. But now I know that that's, that's wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not a law keeper. 
you need, you're like, goodness doesn't even, my goodness isn't even, I, I need a Savior. Today, you can forsake you trying to be a good person, forsake your righteousness, stop counting on your own goodness, and embrace Jesus Christ to save you. And you can do that by checking uh, bold step A. Also, there are some of you here that you need to go public with your faith. You've been buried uh, in your, in, by faith. You've, you've, uh, you've said that I died with Jesus Christ and that now he raised me up because I believe in him, but you've never been baptized, which is the physical representation, the public proclamation that you have done that. Today, we'd love for you to come up and get baptized. Seriously, if you can come up today, we've got clothes for you. Uh, and you can get baptized. If you've never been baptized, we would love for you to come up today and proclaim publicly that Jesus Christ died for you, rose again, uh, and that you believe in him. Uh, bold step C. Let me just check here. I will memorize Galatians 5.1 this week. Some of you guys have been living in fear, anxiety that comes by living the formula. You're always in the fray that you're not getting it right, and you need Galatians 5.1 to just get in your heart that you are free. Bold step D. Some of you never heard this before. This is, sounds crazy to you. Take a step to read and meditate on Romans 7, where Paul talks about how the law just doesn't work. And Jesus Christ and his spirit are way better. That's Romans 7. And bold step B, some of you, maybe today, right now, you are just, you kind of just maybe feel that pressure right here, right in the middle. Oh, what? It's that I've been living in, under so much pressure, under so much accusation, under so, maybe I've been angry and smug that comes from thinking that I was a law keeper. Bold step B is for you. I will set a time, deliberate time this week to meditate on whether you live by law or by grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your mercy to us. And Father, I ask now that your Holy Spirit would be here to rise in our hearts, to know what it means to live by grace and not by law. In Jesus' name, amen.